Welcome to PD Insider, the podcast edition. In each episode, we bring you conversations with experts in the law firm professional development community so that you can stay current on industry trends, topics, and innovations. In this episode, PLI's Craig Miller speaks with Sandra Bang of Sherman and Melanie Pretty of Catton. Sandra and Melanie examine the lessons learned from handling diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives in big law, and how the shifting perspectives on social justice and remote work will influence future conversations. Welcome to PD Insider. Joining me today are Sandra Bang and Melanie Pretty. Together, they're co-chairs of a four-part program called Empowering Professional Development 2021 diversity, equity, and inclusion in the legal industry. It's being offered as part of PLI's second annual PD Appreciation Month. It's free and available on demand at pli.edu. The focus of this conversation is what makes their DEI program different and what are some of its key takeaways for PD teams. Welcome, Sandra. Welcome, Melanie. I'm so pleased to see you here. Hi, Craig. Thanks so much for having us today. Yes, very happy to be here. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the importance and the utility of the PD teams to their law firms in light of the remarkable events we've all been living through for nearly two years that so deeply affect health and wellness, social, civil, and criminal justice, our careers, and the business of law. These matters are driving today's conversations about the future of the profession, and PDs have been in the forefront. That's why PD Appreciation Month is so important. So let's begin. What does make your DEI program special? And what can PDs and others gain from it that they might not find elsewhere? Melanie? So we're really excited about this set of programs. I think, you know, one of the pieces that was important for us, first of all, was to make sure that the panelists were a diverse representation of the profession. Um, We have, you know, individuals who are in-house. We have individuals who are diversity professionals. Quite a few individuals who don't have diversity is kind of their number one function, but still continue to be an important part of their um, responsibilities. Um, And really what we talk a lot about is the intersectionality of all of this. PD and diversity are very closely intertwined in a law firm space. And for there to be success, you know, DEI always needs to constantly be top of mind um, for all of the functions. And so there's intersectionality to a lot of the programming that we're doing and the the conversations we're having. I think another piece is is that making sure that the advice that we're offering is actionable, that we're giving uh, takeaways. That's really important, I think, for our PD community, something that you can go back to the firm and be able to implement immediately, even if there are small things that you can do. Um, to push forward on your initiatives and, you know, expanding the diversity um, within a law firm um, or just within your teams, right, in ways, especially the wellness panel, um, that we can all center ourselves and make sure we're being thoughtful about the things that we're trying to do in light of some very challenging circumstances. So those are just, you know, some things that come top of mind. Thank you. Sandra, anything you'd like to add? The only thing I would add to that perfect answer, Craig, is to be able to say, honestly, the professional development consortium and all of the different professional development 
professionals in law firms. They have a reputation for sharing very candidly their experiences, where they have experienced success, where there's still more work to be done. And we wanted to, through the series, bring that candor to each of the four programs and also provide a space where people who don't work in law firms but are part of the legal industry or the business industry as a whole offer them space to also talk about, you know, diversity, equity and inclusion, wellness, return to office, career paths, things that they too are also very concerned and passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's so many so many big items on, on the PD's uh, calendar uh, to deal with right now. But one of the keys, as you mentioned, is actionability. So how can this audience impact change after attending the program? One piece of it is, is that for us to have this constantly be part of our conversations, um, you know, one of the conversations in the panels that we have are is, you know, when it comes to DEI work, sometimes you have to sit in your discomfort with both the conversations you're having among your team and all the conversations you're having with the firm leaders. And we talk quite a bit about that, about the strategies around kind of sitting in this discomfort because, you know, you're you're trying to change some of the status quo and, and try to push them some things forward. And so we talk a little bit about that and we talk about some tactics about um, how you address that and then making sure that you're taking care of yourself at the same time. Um, because that's a hard thing to do. You always talk about the importance of putting on your own oxygen mask first before you help the person next to you. And I think that that's part of this PD community is that we have to make sure that we're applying our own oxygen first when it comes to self-care. That's a great metaphor. Sandra, in terms of what actionable items that you think uh, the PDs might be able to, uh, to take away from the program? Yeah, I think that um, our audience is going to appreciate the context within which some of the key takeaways are going to be presented um, because some of our moderators and presenters are professional development folks or people who work in uh, business services and law firms. They will understand the conflict within which the practical takeaway advice is being framed, um, the environment, the setting will be familiar. And I think that, you know, by listening to what others might have been doing over the last year, 18 months or so, um, as they have been working through some of these issues, again, around return to office, mental health and well-being, diversity, equity and inclusion, um, integrating diversity, equity, inclusion into other business functions, and also to really stretching ourselves to to be more creative and innovative with respect to how we can better work with our external clients because they too are working to move the needle in the DEI space. Yeah, that's important. And I'd also ask, is it important to be able to tie you know, these issues to the results and the performance of the law firm itself and how, how you might sort of integrate the two ideas? I think that's always critical, right? Law firms are always talking about the return on investment and, and the business imperative. And I think we found, I'm sure other PD professionals could agree, right? When you're able to tie your initiatives and your goals to the business of the firm itself, that's when you've had the most success, right? So they see that what they're trying to do isn't just for the good of the firm, but in the good of their own professional development, the advancement of diversity, but it's also going to help the firm, which is ultimately a business, right? And there's a bottom line. And so if you're able to tie those two, I think that all of us have seen more success in any of the programs or initiatives that we're doing. Yeah, very true, I'm sure, uh, at all the firms. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the subject matter. Uh, there are four different panels. Can you provide an overview of the four panels and the issues uh, that they'll each explore? 
Sure. So one of our panels focuses on wellness, DEI, and the return to office and kind of the Venn diagram among those three things um, and how we've been living for the last 18 months, which has been challenging. Um, And again, all the things that have happened, you know, I think triggered by the the murder of George Floyd, but, you know, all of that was an undercurrent, right? That wasn't a brand new thing that happened. Um, That's something that we've all been challenged with for quite some time, but really a focus on it and how that impacts us as as we think about the return to office and some of the challenges Um, and benefits, candidly, of working remotely. And that coming back into the office gives uh, some of us pause, right? Some microaggressions that you may have encountered in the office um, have been eliminated by being able to work remotely. You know, there's been a a equalization, I think, when it comes to staffing of projects, um, because you're not staffing based upon walking down the hall, you're staffing based upon Zoom and phone calls. And there's been some um, equitable action there. And so that those are some benefits. And so we talk a little bit about that in the panel. Um, and candidly, again, when it comes to self-care for us as professionals, but also for those um, associates and diverse attorneys that we're supporting within firms in ways that we could support them. Uh, you know, one of our next panels is about the integration of DEI into different business functions. Um, you know, many of us may have diversity as a responsibility that's written in our job description or even in our job titles. But in order for us to really affect change, you need to be we need to be innovative in how we're integrating diversity into different functions. And so we do have a panel that features um, a chief operating officer and an in-house individual and a diversity professional and someone else who's in marketing and business development. Right. And these are all different functions, but they're all um, focused on ultimately, you know, expanding the, the diversity, equity, inclusion of of our industry and our profession. Um, and so we're going to examine that as well. Okay, great. And we'll come back to some of that as well. Sandra, the uh, panels that you've been leading and organizing? Sure. So there's two additional programs in the series. One is centered on hearing more about the career paths, the very successful career paths of three diverse lawyers. Interestingly, each of these three lawyers uh, started off in law firms and then have moved on to to do three very different things. One is currently general counsel uh, for North America at a Japanese bank. The second person is actually working with the New York Mets organization. And the third person is a communication um, strategist and trusted advisor um, working consultancy there. And when you hear their stories about what kind of skills they picked up, what they were thinking about as they pivoted from one position to another, what drove their decisions, how it all came together, the importance of relationships. You know, we really felt when we put this program together that telling more of these stories of successful career paths that might look untraditional, but nonetheless are incredibly fulfilling, requires a lot of hard work, but the outcomes are so great. We thought that it was really important to share those stories, not just with the PD community, but also with um, the legal and business community, you know, overall. And when our PD audience members listen to these stories and also hear about how professional development departments within each of their previous law firms have helped them develop these skills and or given them opportunities to leverage. We think that that would be um, some interesting and exciting ideas for the professional development uh, person to think about and see whether or not they can, you know, execute on in their own current organizations if they're not doing it already. 
The fourth program in the series is about how law firms and external clients can collaborate to really affect positive change in the DEI space. Um, this is a very exciting thing for us. We've got Sylvia James as the moderator, and she brought together three different business professionals um, outside of you know law firms to really talk about some of the exciting work that they've been doing with their partners in collaborating, in bringing best practices together. You know, there could be pilot programs they are doing, also talking about how they're measuring their progress, you know, what the outcomes can look like. But again, going back to one of the points, really important points that Melanie raised, talking about how can we work together because we're all trying to strive um, for the same outcome, which is to have more inclusive work environments, to have more diverse teams, and why not do it together? Um, so I'm particularly really excited uh, for that program in particular. It does sound really exciting and, and, and really complete. So let's, let's turn our attention back to, to Melanie's panel on remote work and the actual or planned return to offices. Could you tell us more about you know, what wellness challenges each of these scenarios, you know, the work from home scenario, then the RTO scenario poses for diverse attorneys and, and maybe elaborate a little bit on how presenters provide advice to overcome those kinds of challenges? Sure. Uh, you know, we in dividing the um, presentation into kind of how things have been and how things are as we imagine returning to work and how things have been. I think the perspective was that, you know, people have felt quite isolated. Um, and I think that's uh, across the board. Again, there are some benefits to, to remote work. And we talk about, you know, those who have child care, elder care responsibilities, those who have long commutes, right, being able to um, adjust and, and have those things be, you know, some of the things that have taken up a lot of time being taken down a little bit and adjust that as far as your, your work style. But there's been a tremendous amount of isolation. And I think that particularly our attorneys or diverse attorneys are feeling that even more so, especially with you pile on to that, all the things that happened in the past year with regard to George Floyd and all the social justice movements and the frustration. And, you know, there's been a sense of isolation that on then the one hand, it's been helpful because you've had this other community, right? This Zoom community, um, the community of your friends and family that you've been able to, to talk to. And in some respects, you felt closer to people that you worked with because you're seeing more of their lives. You're seeing my dog and my kids and my spouse walk through my background in a way that opens up conversation about the personalization of what's happened. And the panel has, is a diverse array of individuals who have diverse backgrounds and everyone talks about their own particular personal experiences with challenged by all of this in the you know, past 18 months. And then you flip to coming back into the office. And what does that mean exactly? And, you know, how have the ability to develop relationships perhaps suffered? Um, and even for, I would say, new people who have come into your space, we talked about how many people have been hired completely 100% remote. They have never stepped foot in your office, but they've been working at your firm or your organization for maybe a year. And PD professionals have been furiously trying to integrate them into the firm and into the culture of your company and your organization and about how challenging that is. And to make the, the importance and the value of people coming into the office and continuing to develop those relationships so the culture of your organization doesn't get lost. Um, and so that, you know, overlaps again with uh, a lot of the challenges that some of our diverse attorneys and our diverse individuals are are facing with regards to, again, isolation, uh, relationship building and candidly just being burnt out 
by all of it. All of us working 14-hour days for the past year and a half has its toll. Sandra, turning to your session on the successful careers of diverse attorneys, how can your panelists help PDs understand how to better support their lawyers? Yeah, we, uh, we really enjoyed in the prep session talking about that very question, Craig, because we know that the professional development departments in so many law firms, all law firms, are already doing so much, you know, whether it's collecting feedback and information from the associates, you know, while they're with the firm, you know, upon their exit um, and really trying to think, how can we provide, you know, the best opportunities for every lawyer at the firm? What is truly the best way of supporting their careers while they're with the firm and beyond? Um, Law firms have very rich alumni programs so that people can stay connected, continue to build upon their relationships that might have started in law firms and, and you know, further provide opportunities to leverage that. We hope to talk on the panel about this issue and really center on the importance of relationships. And so even if your professional development department, for example, might be putting on what you think is uh, simply a social event or simply, um, let's say, a lunch and learn, that, you know, it's, it's beyond that. There's more than just the substance or, you know, sharing a beverage. It could be about deepening a relationship or meeting someone who can help you build that skill set further, introduce you to a new client, give you a stretch opportunity, mentor you, etc. And so we learn from each of the panelists, you know, what served them very well throughout their career in terms of what they've picked up in the time that they had at their law firms. And it would be really terrific if, again, as a part of this conversation, the professional development person, you know, might hear something that the panelist says or, again, takes away an idea that they themselves can employ for their lawyers at their law firm today. How can the PD community help diverse lawyers recognize and perhaps take advantage of opportunities that might not follow the traditional, you know, associate the partner track? How can they work with those who may think that their career path may be a little bit different and perhaps want to blaze a different type of trail? At Sherman, for example, we, along with, I know so many law firms do this, we often bring in alums or lawyers who have gone on to do, you know, a variety of different careers. I think really sharing these experiences, putting on programs or events where associates can hear about, you know, the different career outcomes whether they're from alums or or lawyers from, you know, other places. Um, But to hear all these variety of stories, to see this representation, I think that still matters. You know, sometimes I think when you are, in particular, a junior associate, you, it's sometimes hard to imagine what it would be like to do anything other than what you're spending so many thousands of hours doing on a day in, day out basis. So having these programs, having these discussions, being exposed to women and diverse lawyers who've gone on to do different things, I think that can be very inspirational and motivational. And I know that oftentimes professional development departments are heavily involved 
you know, with putting these types of discussions and programs together. And I think through these programs, one often can talk to lawyers, um, associates about the importance of things like, I know sometimes we refer to it as networking, but really it's about relationship building. And whether you're talking about business development, whether you're talking about career advancement, whether you're talking about, you know, community engagements, it's all based on relationships. How do you, you know, how do you build them? How do you start a new one? How do you sustain them? How do you show up in one? Those are things that a professional development department can, you know, build programs around, continually remind lawyers, uh, associates about, and build opportunities for people to meet and mingle, so to speak. That's great. And particularly the importance of alumni networks shouldn't be underestimated, as you mentioned. And you mentioned an alum, perhaps, of, of your firm or another firm who's at the New York Mets now. So that would certainly qualify as a, a non-traditional career path. Melanie, anything you'd like to add to that? You know, the only thing I would add is, is that I think that there's been an evolution when it comes to professional development in law firms and that the acknowledgement more outwardly by both us as professional development professionals, but also as their leaders of the firm that success isn't defined by just from associate to capital partner, right? Like there are so many different permutations of success and acknowledging that if you don't make it to capital partner, that might not be your goal. That is still success, depending upon what it is you want in your career and helping people realize that early on. And it's not like you're trying to drive people outside of the firm, but there's there, I think for a long time was a very narrow definition of what success looked like. And now it's, it's much broader. And when you're able to bring in alums and other Others who have been successful to expose some of these junior attorneys to different avenues and career paths that they probably have never heard of or not aware of. I mean, a career path of success is what we do, right? Like so many of what we do, people who do what we do are former practicing attorneys and are able to be successful at what we do because we've had an opportunity to work in law firms and then take that knowledge and use it for good, right? In professional development. And so I think for people to see those different avenues of success are critically important and, and happy that that's a focus of what we're doing now within the law firm space. Yeah, that's interesting. And, you know, one of the sort of unpredicted impacts of the pandemic has been just how law firm business, particularly among the major law firms, has really boomed over the last year. There was a lull in the very initial phase, but then it seemed like things really took off uh, for many firms. And that seems to have created something of a rush around the recruitment of lateral associates. I was wondering how that, if you're seeing that phenomenon, first of all, because we certainly read about it in the press, and if that phenomenon is having a particular impact around diverse lawyers. I mean, I'll just speak for what I've seen within my firm, and I know others, is that the lateral market is crazy, is <laughs> the best way to describe it. It's so strong right now. There's so much work. There's so much opportunity. Um, and I think, like you said, there was a lull in the beginning and no one really knew how things were going to shake out. And then law firms had incredibly successful years last year, and that continues into this year. They're just so, so busy. Um, and so I, I do think that that presents a lot of opportunity for um, you know, whether or not somebody wants to switch firms or they want to go to a corporation or go in-house. But I think it's also kind of a cautionary tale in us as professional development professionals, really for our um, attorneys to have some really you know, clear conversations with themselves of like, what do you want? What do you want to do? Right. And not have it be about chasing the money or the, the next biggest signing bonus or spring bonus or whatever's going on, but really trying to isolate for them the skill sets and, and the things that they want to focus on and, and how that aligns. And I think at the same time, you're seeing how busy and crazy firms are. You're seeing this other, you know, 
section of things where people are referring to it as the great resignation, right? Where people are like, this is not what I want to do. And they're leaving the profession. And I'm sure we've all seen that happen over the last 18 months. Um, But it's helping give our attorneys the tools of honestly introspection, right? And like career counseling and coaching to see like, what is it that you all want to do? What is it that you want out of your life, your professional career? Um, And really examining that and not get kind of too wooed by the the sway of the all the dollar signs, which I know is a challenging thing. What about the effect of all that busyness and the demands of the job at this time, maybe being greater than, than at other points in the past? Are you seeing any impact from that on the wellness and well-being of your attorneys? It's, it's so great that Melody's doing the panel on the intersection of lawyering, mental health and well-being, and diversity. And I think that law firms had already started before the pandemic to really think differently. You know, how do we remove the stigma around mental health and well-being? How does mental health and well-being show up differently or impact disproportionately, you know, certain sections of the population like our diverse or female population, perhaps, or those who have caregiving responsibilities? And then the pandemic happens and suddenly there has been, I think, tremendous energy and resources poured into really thinking about, is everyone okay? Are they really okay? And how is this, you know, potentially disproportionately affecting our diverse and female population? Um, So I've been really impressed with the amount of programming offered by so many different law firms, you know, different organizations, even for free that people can tap into. I agree with everything that Sandra just said. And I think that what stood out to me is, you know, people's willingness to talk about self-care and, and mental health and wellness. And I would say, you know, the, from an advice standpoint, right, what's so important is for firm leaders to be the models for that and for them to talk about their own mental health and well-being. And I feel really lucky. Our CEO has been very transparent about his interest in this topic and his willingness to talk about it. And I think as firm leaders, practice group leaders, CEOs, chairs, department chairs, If you're able to stand up and talk about your own challenges, if you're willing to be vulnerable, um, which I think is an incredibly important trait in an effective leader, is showing your vulnerability so that people feel comfortable opening up about what's going on with them. And, you know, one of the most important things that Sandra said is for you all to ask how people are doing and then for you to stop and actually listen to what their answer is. Right. I think it's so performative for us to say, pick up the phone and say, how are you doing? And then immediately go into what you need somebody to do. But then if you actually pause and listen to what they're saying, I think that that's a critical part of all of this. That's a good point. You know, we're going through this return to office stage. We, we think there's going to be likely a more of a hybrid work environment. But some of these things that have been prioritized in this time frame, do we think that that will carry forward into the future? And is there anything that we think that the PD teams can help to do to maintain the focus that's necessary on some of these important issues? You know, I think it's important, right, for all of us and all these things we're discussing is like, don't forget the lessons learned from the pandemic, right? Just when it hopefully recedes from our view and it's in the rear view and we were writing papers about it and all the different things, like don't forget the lessons that we've learned. And and candidly, I think we're not going to be able to because there's a whole generation of young people who are coming into these firms and to these organizations who are going to have the expectation that this is going to be a priority. And if generations I think is where we're on now that are coming into the firm and the expectations they have in law schools. 
they're voting with their feet and they're demanding that this be a part of the organizations that they're joining and that they're demanding that this is part of the conversation and they're not going to let up. And so we're not going to have an opportunity, thankfully, I think, to forget about it because they're going to be there to remind us as they stay in our firms and continue to progress in their careers. I'd just like to say I really appreciate both of your insights today and, we, and, and very much appreciate the contribution you've made to PLI's programming during PD Appreciation Month. I'd like to thank my guests, Melanie Pretty of Catton and Sandra Bang of Sherman for sharing their insights and for helping PLI to celebrate PD Appreciation Month with their unique four-part DEI series. We look forward to you joining us for another edition of PLI's PD Insider. This is Craig Miller of the Practicing Law Institute. Thank you and stay well.